Hey shit talkers, welcome to Talk Shit With P. So obviously, I'm P of Talk Shit With P and I am such a shit talker that I had to create my own fucking stage. <laughs> my podcast is a safe space to talk all the shits of this shitty world. And believe me, this is a shitty world with lots of shit to talk about. I sometimes shit talk by myself and no, I'm not crazy. And other times, well, most of the times, I'm joined by... I'm joined by incredible individuals who do all the shit talking. Well, not all, but most of the shit talking. And talk shit with people, we laugh, we cry, we cuss a lot. But most important, we learn something. Well, at least I do. And I would hope so do you. So grab a drink and join the party. As I told you guys, season four, I'm bringing in something different. Um, I wanted to showcase creators and inspirational people out there. And as you know, I'm big on mental health and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So anything to do with wellness, fitness and the mental spirit and mind and freedom is all what I am. So this amazing guest who I have today is... Very inspirational, if I say so myself, because I've been inspired and I just recently came across him, which is also a very funny story. Maybe I will share it, but maybe not. But allow me to introduce to you all my guest of the day. What's up, what's up, Daniel? Welcome to Talk Shit with P. Hey, thanks for having me, P. Really, really appreciate being on here. Um, you know, instead of a traditional intro where I talk about myself, I thought I'd do something a little different for the people and um, maybe give them a, an unorthodox little bit of an intro about me so they understand who I am and maybe what we're here to talk about today. Is that all right? Yes, bring it on, bring it on. All right, let's get it. Uh. 2012, my pops died. 2013, I had no green. Had to hustle two jobs for me and the team. And the team was just my sister, my mom's relatives in another country, man. They living too far. 2014, I took out some loans so I could graduate. No time to congratulate. How mom a pastry chef, but we ain't have no cake. Tired of that microwave food on top of paper plates. I need this money now. Ain't got no time to wait. 2015, I was walking when I got the call. You should have seen my face. Look like I dropped the ball. Almost dropped my phone. I wish AT&T would have dropped the call. My best friend from college got his life taken. I cried, look at the sky and ask God why he ain't try to save him. Later that night, had a conversation with God. I told him life was foggy. I've been living in the fog. He said I was super strong. Gotta be there for my mom. Said he trusted me with everything and knew we'd carry on. I was amazed. Casually conversing with the controller. He said life's a battle, I'm a soldier. Even looked around and saw two angels sitting on my shoulder. Look back in God and ask how he caused all these damages. He said, because you're my strongest boy, I promise you can handle it. Had to wipe the tears, there was no time for that. Emotions, they were lying flat. On the bright side, I had a job making 50 racks. On the bright side, I had enough money to get my mother stacks. Said peace to my roommates, got my own spot, and I just relaxed. At this time, I was 22, feeling like a better kid, took advantage of my job and used those benefits. I even got a therapist and told her how life's been going ever since and even used enough or even got enough for that money to see those relatives. 2016, I'm sorry, hold up. Uh, my grandma shed tears when she saw my face, moments that I can't replace. Tears on both cheeks look like they're trying to race. 2016, paid off that Honda Civic, started thinking moving different, got into meditation, reading books, and started crafting visions. Made a list of everything I wanted and said, I'ma get it. Smile every time I read it. Crazy, cause life happened exactly like I said it. In January, I said I'd move to a big city. 
February, I said I'd make six figures and spend 50. March, I said I'd buy my mom a couple plane tickets. April, I said I'd get a promotion and make checks with insane digits. June, I said I'd get a master's degree and walk across that stage. You know what the crazy thing is? 12 months later, I manifested everything on that page. So let me let me pause there maybe, but that's a little intro of, of who I am. My name is Danilo Capric. Thank you for having me. All right, all right. So you guys have had these lyrics, right? So this is literally how I found him. Yes, I'm going to use the words found him because I literally found him. <laughs> so it was this lyrical game that got me into his page. Um, I'm not going to say exactly where I found your you from until that led me to Instagram. <laughs> now I'm curious. Oh my God. There's something I don't know. You know, sometimes creeping around is not such a good thing, but sometimes it leads you to amazing shit. So, you know, um, <laughs> I'm cool with I found that. this Instagram, which was very inspirational. It's paused and everything. And then I clicked on the link and it took me to his SoundCloud, mm. which had two amazing music that you put out. Good Samaritan and Prayer Emoji. I'm a big fan of Prayer Emoji. Like, mm. I yeah. think that the first week I found you, I listened to it almost every day. <laughs> oh my God, thank you. Appreciate that. So yes, and I, I, I sent it to a couple of people. I remember I kept on sending it to people like, listen to this, listen to this. And they're like, oh my God. So <laughs> thank you. How did that come about? You're so talented. You're really cool. Like, have you well, always been? Uh, no, I wish I was born with that. That would have been amazing. I probably would have been a rapper by now, maybe. Who knows? Um, but no, in terms of how it came out, you know, where I grew up in Florida, the little city called Port St. Lucie, nothing crazy, nothing too good or too bad, you know, kind of just an average town. Um, but I, you know, having immigrant parents, we didn't really have traditional music, uh, like American music playing in the house, obviously. So I didn't have any genres to go off of, right? I couldn't go off my parents' music because they liked our music, Serbian music, Bosnian music, all of that. Um, so I listened to what was around me and what was around me at school was rap music, right? Um, I also had one bit of family on the West West coast of Florida in Tampa and they were also really big fans of hip-hop and rap and I remember when the first time they put me on to uh, rappers like the game 50 cent like all these people right and then growing up I used to listen to the radio so those were some early influences um, but in high school I started writing poetry and I don't know why but it just came out of me um, and every night before I go to sleep I would take my phone and I would start writing something and little did I know it was just coming to, to be poetry and to this day they've evolved i've continued doing them and they've evolved into sometimes still spoken word um but other times full-blown songs and as of last year i went ahead and recorded the two songs that you found so that was my first time actually recording music but um it kind of came about as a as a passion for hip-hop i don't think there was a direct cause it was just more of something i started doing at a young age and it just happened to blossom into what you see in here now interesting now the reason why I I I fell in love with your music is you get people's attention. Like you know, there's certain music you listen and you gotta listen to it four or five times to actually be like, oh my god, I relate to that. You get because the beat or something you have just been listening to it, but you've never actually understood what the words meant until one day. And you're like, oh shit, I've been listening to this song for like six weeks and I'm just getting it right now. 
but mm. yours from I think because as you said you write poetry so it's more poetic I think that's why I also love Tupac because that's how he was but mm. uh, when I listened to your songs I remember I reached out to you and I, and I say you can feel it like when you listen to it you can feel everything like oh my god I might not re- have gone through that but I relate to what you're singing so Mm. Tell us right now the the song you just opened with the lyrics behind that music of yours. Yeah, absolutely. So that one is a uh, there's much more to that one. I, I stopped it short because I want to go for forever. Um, but that that one is kind of a short recap of my life from 2012 to till now. And essentially, I'm walking through the years where in 2012. Uh, my father, random heart attack, took his life, unfortunately. Um, it was very unexpected for our family. And because, you know, we were immigrants, he he kind of had the, you know, he was the head of the household. We had no other family here. He was the the breadwinner, everything. So um, him leaving our lives was was obviously very difficult. And to date, it's probably been, ar- ar- not even to argue, it's it's been the biggest challenge I've had to face. You know, my family has had to face as a, as a unit. Um, and yeah, what happened after that was I was in school. I was uh, 20 years old when it happened, uh, working at a shoe store called Kohan at the mall in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, shout out to anybody that goes to FGCU. And, um, you know, at that time, I just realized, you know, I needed a way to get money and I needed a way to situate my family within two years of graduating school because we didn't have a lot of time. We were taking on debt and we had to make it. So um, basically, I did what I had to do throughout those years to find a good paying job out of school. Um, I'll spare you the details unless you want me to go into it. But after that was a huge process of me, you know, waking up, getting over his death, but also becoming my next best self. Um, and what that looked like was a, a book, just one book, actually, I read that, that kind of set off everything. And the book was called Miracle Morning. And so when I talk about at the very end where it's like, um, you know, in January, I said I'd move to a big city. February, I said I'd make six figures but spend 50. Um, you know, I didn't have any of those things at the time, but I wrote them down. And that was part of this routine that I had learned. It was about writing your aspirations, keeping them in front of you front and center every day. And so by concentrating on these things, but also taking some specific action as well over a two year period, I was able to make all of those things happen. Um, and once I once I did that, that changed life forever because that that meant for me that I was literally in the driver's seat and I can make any outcome happen. Like if I can go from being a broke college kid selling shoes, making eight fifty an hour to making a hundred thousand dollar job in software sales, like I can do anything. And then um, I started applying that same framework to other things in my life, like family relationships, friend problems, uh, anything you name it. And I found that, again, if I followed a similar structure, I was able to create the outcomes that I wanted. So in a way, to, to finish the answer here, like my father's death was the single event that kicked all of this off. And without it, I don't know if I would have been as hungry to become where I am and who I am today. So um, even though it was a tough tragedy, I really do think that it was meant to be so that way my family could prosper. Intense. I can't imagine losing a parent, especially the head of the family at 20. How was that for you mentally? Well, I think the hardest part, it, it was relatively, and I say relatively, like I still had to do years of therapy. I still, you know, some days I still cry. Like it's not, it's never done. You know what I mean? It's never done. I just want to be clear about that. Um, 
But the hardest part for me was really um, helping my mom get through it. Um, for me at the time, I was in college, I was taking four classes, I was working two jobs. Like I had so many distractions. I had so many distractions from my father's death. I couldn't even have time to, fo uh, excuse me, to focus on it. So the hard part for me was having to still kind of support my family in a way, emotionally. I couldn't do it with money, but um, emotionally and just being there, right? Um, so my mom, you know, coming from, from where we come from in Eastern Europe, it's a very male dominated household, right? Like most places outside of America, the male tends to dominate things around finances, decision-making, and the wife will do, you know, majorly like the uh, cooking, cleaning, taking care of kids, all that. That's how my family was. That's how exactly how my household was straight up. Like no discrimination, no, no respect all the feminists, but that's just how it is, that's just how it is. Um, and so when he passed, I mean, no joke, she didn't even know her pin number. Like she didn't know how to pump gas. She didn't know how to pay a bill. Like she didn't know how to do almost you know, any kind of modern thing. So we had to really, really buckle down, help her out, almost be like on standby for things, you know? Um, and that was difficult while I was still trying to bring myself up, right? Um, and then just, just kind of counseling her throughout the process too, because as I started reading more and getting into law of attraction and doing these routines, um, I started to realize that I could feel better if I did these things. But you know, you know how it is when you first tell someone about an idea, uh, especially if they're sad or upset, they, they never want to take it right away, right? So my mom was very much like, just just hear me, just hear me, don't offer solutions. Uh, where I was really focused on the solution. I just um, want my heart, yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, there, were, there ended up being a period of, of time where for six months, um, maybe a year after he passed, where every time we got on the phone, it was just so negative and I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. So I respectfully asked him, I asked my mom, I said, hey, like, please don't take this the wrong way, but like, I need some space. Like every time I get on the phone with you, it is so like, it's, it's just bad for my, like, I can't, like, I just need space. I'm sorry. You know, and that was hard for her. That was hard for me. Like I hung I was up about to ask, how did your mom take that? I, oh, I, 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 the, terrible. The, the I, I like the honesty, but you know, when you come from an, can't do that. Immigrant family, or even an African family, telling your parents that you need space from them. <laughs> That's a big, yeah, you know how big of a no that is, yeah. So, I mean, she did not, like, tears, you know, worst, wor just imagine your worst reaction possible, like anger, sadness, all of that, just, just it was there, yes. Um, and I, I really had to stand firm. Like, I had to realize that, like, this is not about, like, her feelings today. This is about her well-being in the future. And now what's great, like, this is really the great part, is she's able to have a conversation with me today, look me in the face and say, I'm glad you did that because I needed that. And I was like, wow, like, oh, wow. Didn't, never thought she would say that, you know, years later, but um, it's amazing to just see how everything came full circle. So while it was hard, it was, you know, kind of taboo for the, the whole immigrant family thing, but um, I think it was necessary and I think it helped both of us grow long term. So it was a long term decision that was very difficult to make in the short term. And I believe that, you know, sometimes people do things at, at that time. And because you're going through whatever you're going through, you don't see the point of them doing this, what they're about to do until later on. Like, there was a guy who one time broke up with me and told me I was toxic. And, <laughs> and uh, when I went and replayed the message to my girls and they wanted to, 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 to get on the phone, I was like, no, I actually believe I'm toxic. Like, you know, the good thing, how, the good thing about me is I've been working on myself for a while. 
depression. I'm, I'm a mental health. I've, I've had a therapist. I knew for a while I was toxic, you know. Mm. Um, but I think him saying it to me. Yes, at that time I was like, but once my friends started getting involved, I was like, no, chill. And then I went and sat down and thought and decided to make decisions about me and my life. And on the after a while, after I understood it and I got there on my episode, I actually thanked him. And I was like, I even wrote him a letter. I was like, thank you for tell, calling me toxic. At that time, I didn't see it. But you helped me walk through some things and get myself through some things that I didn't even know still helped me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a great point. No, it's like sometimes, even though something could be so obvious, like we don't see it until someone really points it out. And we, we may not even believe it until someone we care enough about points it out, right? That's another oh, thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you took it like that because that's the other thing. Like that person went on a risk to do that. They kind of took a risk, right? They, they really did risk the relationship. Uh, even obviously like, you know, the, the, the romantic relationship was off, but even the friendship at that point, mm-hmm. right? Like enough respect to at least admit certain things like that. Um, but it takes, you know, shout out to you because it takes a certain person to receive that in a constructive way. So like for both of y'all, there's a lot of like, um, I don't know, kind of, uh, what would I say? You both, you both played your part in that. Well, yes. well, I found the out here preaching mental health and cutting people off for your sanity and stuff, and then get mad at somebody doing the same thing to me. Just because they're doing it to me doesn't mean it shouldn't be right for them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. So, yourself okay. a sibling, right? Mm-hmm. How how was that your relationship with that doing your is she younger? How old was she when your dad passed away? She's she's one year older, so yeah, same obviously she was one year older back then too. Um but I was twenty, she was twenty one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like me and my brother. They one year apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she she took it differently. Like I'll never be able to to speak for her. Really, I I can't walk inside of her brain and see how it how it went. Um, but I think she was also like me in the sense that at the time we were very distracted with our lives, right? Like we were both in our young twenties. Um, she was trying to establish her career. She was um, also dating someone at the time. Like getting a little bit further. You know how when you first get into that serious relationship, you mm. kind of slowly get away from the family, right? At, oh, yeah. In a good way. Yeah, in, in your love bubble. Yeah, yeah, right. But but also you start to form what is your new family, right? Yes. Because now she's married. So like that was the time when she met her, what is now her husband, oh, uh, who is now her husband. You know what I mean? So um, she was starting to to nurture that relationship a lot too. So her and I, I think, were both very distracted during the time. So that left, but that made it, I think, even more difficult for my mom. Is like it seemed to her like both kids were kind of off to the side when really we were just living our lives. And, and for me, my, my viewpoint was like, I can't slow down to like play therapist with you because I need to make sure I'm passing these classes. So that way in two years I can get us some money. So we don't, so, you know, so you don't have to live in an apartment, you know, you were thinking ahead. I, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> future minded, present minded. Like that's, that's really how it was. Me and my sister were thinking ahead. I think mom was very much obviously in in today's world because um, when you lose your life partner, that's a whole different experience, right? Life partner versus father and mother, like that's a that's a big deal, especially if you've been married for a long time. So, unlike the new modern marriages where people have their marriage is more different, you know, when your entire world is your husband. Back in the day, you know, 
the entire world is your husband and your kids. Now here your husband is gone and your kids are living their life and you're left like... Yeah, no, for real. That was for a long time. We had to kind of educate her on, on, hey, it's okay to go out. Like, for example, growing up, we... I mean, it's just because of where my parents are from. Like everybody, they lived on villages. Like they didn't go, I mean, they never spent the night in nobody's house. Like nobody does that over there, right? You sleep at your own house, right? So that, that's the one. Um, but also like they don't go anywhere to eat, right? Like all, they have food at home. They live on farms, like nobody, you know what I mean? So growing up, we never went out to eat. I never slept over at anyone's house. Like it, it was just a very um, different, different process, different set of rules. Wait, so, I'm just curious. When was the first time you ever had your first sleepover? When you went to college? Uh, <laughs> or was that was sharing a room with your roommates <laughs> in college considered sleepover for you? No, I was allowed to have one in high school. Um, so here's the rule that, that we had. It was like, I had a best friend across the street, right? Since I was five years old. And that friend was allowed to sleep over our house anytime, no problem. But I could not sleep over there until I was 17. And I was so mad. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. And I and I get it now because I mean, my parents come from a place where like it was very war-torn. Like people are around, like there was at the time, it's much better now, but um, it was very dangerous to be sleeping at you someone's know, house or be with another family. You can trust enough for them mm-hmm. for your child so, to come back the next day safe and sound. Exactly. So I, I get it. Uh, do I still think it was a little extreme? Yes, but I get why. You know what I mean? So that's I think that's the important part is us being able to understand why our parents did certain things because um, everyone, I truly believe that everyone is just doing the best with the information they have at the time they have it, right? Like, I really do believe my parents did everything and I love the way everything turned out, honestly. Like, did it turn out how I think? It was going to turn out no, but I'm very happy with how everything did, honestly. So, will you let your kids go for sleepovers, or they'll wait until they're 17? Uh, obviously, depends. But yeah, if I if if they live across the street and I know the parents, I think that's cool with me. That's enough for me. If they live close and I know the parents, yeah, that's cool. All right. But I got to meet the parents first. That's my rule. That's my personal. It's like I just got to meet. I just who, who's over there? Who's over there? What they got? So you know. Yeah, I don't know if either Tanzania was way too safe or my dad really think. Well, mo- most of the time people slept over my place because I had a cool dad. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually had never slept over people's houses. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But I hosted most of the sleepovers. <laughs> That's lit. I wish, I, I mean, I wish I could have had more. I only had pretty much one. Um, my buddy, uh, my best friend from uh, kindergarten, his name is Scott. Shout out to Scott. Are you guys still friends? We are, yep. I actually um, just spent um, Thanksgiving. I saw his family for Thanksgiving. We were over there. Nice. Mm-hmm. See, me, uh, do I have any friends from kindergarten? No. Oh, really? I'm, I'm well, I, have a lot, I have a lot of friends who I still went to uh, primary school with and the thing of when you move a lot too much, people kind of get tired of being a friend to the person who's constantly moving countries and keeping up with you. So. <laughs> that, that is the thing. And as someone, I haven't moved a lot of countries, but I've moved in a lot of states. And yeah, I can I can relate to that. 
I don't move states. I move countries. As soon as I'm like, okay, next next country, let's go. So That's... my friends got tired of keeping up with me. But I do like even I know in America, I have friends who we were together in high school. And when we realized we were both in America, we do a reunion trip every once a year. And we choose a, a, a city or state or we visit each other. So I have friends who have been with them 15, 20 years, but I don't have one from kindergarten. I might need to go look at my phone book. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough. I mean, kindergarten was a long time ago. I only have uh, two friends, uh, thankfully, that that I still keep in touch with. One of them now has four kids. And uh, yeah, she was like the first, yeah, the first uh, person I ever met. Like in, in my childhood memory, she's like my first friend. But you see, when I, I went to a lot of boarding schools, so I think when you go to boarding schools, it's always kind of like a sleepover. So. Yes, I have not. I don't. I've heard of boarding school. Obviously, it's like the live-in school, but I haven't had that experience. I bet it's fun though. It's probably similar to college, but just for little kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least in, in college, you get to go to walk out and walk in anytime. In boarding schools, you are in the same like room, like. Dorm. No, like the same building because all you have is your rooms and your classrooms and the field and that's it until the time you go home for holidays. So that's your home for three months. Like that same, you see everything, uh, everything. <laughs> and you yeah. get stuck with the same people. And <laughs> yeah, you know, unlike when you, when you, when you, when you're in a normal school and you date somebody and you break up, you can hide at home for two, three days and say you were sick or something. This one you can't. You have to go back to class and face Ooh, them and just keep on moving. There's a whole different set of consequences socially with with that kind of a setup. Damn, I didn't think of that. But yeah. it's fun, you know. You get to have dance nights. We we still have the normal stuff. Sometimes way more extra because all our weekends are in school. So they try to make all these weekend activities and sports game where other school comes and all that. So it's mm-hmm. still. I'm glad I went to boarding school. Like I tell this, I I think me going to boarding school is what made me be able to grow up and be myself because I was not at home. I had to deal with my own problems. As such a daddy's girl, I still am. (laughs) But I didn't, I couldn't call my dad every fucking day or night if something happened. I had to have... We, didn't, we weren't allowed to have our mobile phones. You wanted to make a call. You had to buy a call card and go to the uh, call box. And you can't use it at night. So there were limits. So, you know, it taught me to follow rules because I'm a person who hates following rules. So it gave me a, a, a scripture in life. A scripture in life. A little bit. So. <laughs> but yeah. That's awesome. But yeah, I haven't. Uh, I don't know many many people who have done boarding school. So actually, you might be the first person I know that's actually done it. Look at that. I like being people's first. I'm constantly people's first Tanzanian friend, though they've never had with Tanzania. Is though they've never. You got so. that one too. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, uh, where exactly are your parents from? Both, uh, yeah, both? So. My, my father's from uh, an area of Bosnia. Uh, Bosnia is the country. Um, but Bosnia is kind of split into, I would say, two regions. You have, um, I guess I'll just call it like Bosnia, more of like the, the west. And then on the east, there's a region called Republika Srpska. And that region is dedicated to more Serbian people. 
Um, I no need to go through the history, but if you if you know anything about Yugoslavia or the Balkans, you know that there's a lot of different um, types of people living in the in the region. And so this was a special area that was for a Serbian population within Bosnia. Uh, so my father's from a small village over there called Hans Piesak. Yes, you can Google it. I actually checked yesterday and I was very impressed with how much information was on it. Um, but yeah, so you Google father, it so that you can you can say like right here but yes you can google it just to be sure, just to, just to be sure. yeah because you know you know people people all the time are like oh yeah I, my my family comes from uh you know this place where we had nothing and this was that and they try to make it sound so bad like this is googleable go ahead take a look um you can you can take a look i also have pictures i've been there several times it's all good um uh what was i gonna say but yeah so he's he's from bosnia that region uh with the with the actual village being called hans piesak and then my mother is from montenegro beautiful country that neighbors uh bosnia and the city that she's from or the also small village is called metarizi which is maybe 40 minutes away from the uh, capital called Podgorica. so that's where they're from and yeah me and my sister were born in the states um here in 1991 and 1992. oh you're such a baby emma i'm about to be 30 this year <laughs> Oh, we're turning out. About to drop 30 this year. About to drop 30. I get invited to the big three-hour party. Woo! Yeah. All right, so my question was going to be... I said I still feel young, though. Hey, that is the the new 20s. Mm, I agree. It's much better, trust me. I love being in my 30s. It's it's amazing. Mm. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm not even there yet. That's how I was too. Everybody was worried, like, oh my God, you got to be such a skin. I'm like, no, I'm actually excited. I'm ready. Like, bring mm-hmm. it on. After that, everything I could never ever wonder for my 20s. I was tired of being in my 20s. Like. Yeah, it's time so- for a change. <laughs> my bad. I don't want to distract you. You were about to ask something? Yeah, you're very distracting. You're very distracting. My bad. <laughs> Uh, well, I was gonna. The reason I asked you where your parents were, I was gonna ask if you've ever been there, but then I think you answered it when you were sharing the Googleable moment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so that was that was a big dream in itself too. Like you know, my parents. Um, my dad managed the Seven Eleven when he was alive. My mom. Um, still to this day is a pastry chef. Um, and you know, together they had enough, but really still we were like just very average, right? Like we could afford everything. I never, I never had a period of time in my life where like I was, you know, starving or if it was really hard, like we were pretty good. Um, but we didn't have obviously luxury, right? Like we didn't go on family vacations all the time. Um, I think the first time we went over there was when I was like the first time I remember, right? Cause I went when I was a baby, I'm sure. Um, but when I was six years old, and then maybe again as a teenager um yeah that was the that was when i was 16 and then um it was just me and my sister that went at age 16 my parents didn't go and so by the time my father passed it i mean my my father poor guy didn't even get to see his parents for like 10 years um before he passed and then my mom also up to that point had not seen her family so another big dream of mine um after he passed away it was like I, I really want to get us some money so we can buy plane tickets to go over there see the family obviously make peace with the whole death like 
go see the stone they made for him over there, all of that. Um, and then at the same time, help my mom see her own mother because poor thing, she's over here struggling in this country. She hasn't even seen her own mom in 10 years. Like we got to make that happen. So as a son, that was probably one of the most fulfilling moments of my life. Like being able to put the money in the shoebox every month to save up um, and then actually being was on the plane. Was it a not your shoebox? What's that? Was it a not your shoebox? Was it a what shoebox? Sorry, I broke was, up. Was it an actual shoebox? Like oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. It was, a, it was a Nike sneaker box. I, I made a slit in the top and I, and I put money uh, for a Euro trip. I think it was 2016. Yeah, that was that was the year. Or 2015, rather. 2015. Um, I've seen that in TVs. I've never actually met somebody. Oh, yeah. I had to get that shoebox money. Because, um, I mean, it was just... Like, if you think about us, right? Like, we're we can we can think back to you know less than 15 years ago when we were still kids right like at 15 i would say we're genuinely kids um if we're if we're both going with 30 I like how you right <laughs> yeah i like this too it just, it just slows it down and make sure everybody knows the words i'm emphasizing you know like just i'm gonna pay a little special attention to this right here you know right here um <laughs> so where am I going with this? Um, we were talking, oh, yeah. So when we were, yeah, we were still kids, but I mean, my own mom, like, didn't get an opportunity to be a kid for like, I don't know, so long since she came to this country. What I mean by that is like, she never even got to be around her own mom, right? Like to be that kid like that, like to the point where she's around her own mom. And it's almost, it was so weird for me when I saw that moment when her and her grandmother finally saw each other and I was like, Look at her. She gets to be a kid. You now. mean your grandmother? Yeah, yeah, my exactly. Yeah, like it's so weird. Like that's another. It's weird for me even saying that because that was another like hard part, right? Like well, growing you're up. Used to saying grandmother. You didn't have your yeah. grandmother around. I, I only seen. You know, I've only seen both of my grandmothers. Maybe. Yeah, like at, at one. Like if we're saying total times, like obviously when I was there, I saw her hundreds of times when I was there for like a month or something, you know, but um, in terms of total times, it might be really five trips, you know what I mean? So like, I I don't have that, that familiarity. There is a lot of missing links, but there's still so much love. Like that's one thing I love about the culture is like, you don't need to be there every day. You don't need it. Like it's automatic unwritten rule. Like, the the embracement is as soon as yeah. they see it. Yeah. That's what like, someone because not going up there, yes, you um, they gave you a better life because of how life was back there, but you missed out on, which is something also I feel most of the time, especially when I see my cousins and how close they are because they got to actually grow up together and I got to be, yes, all over, but I missed on those moments, those special bonds with some of the cousins, especially on my mom's side. Mm. How did that feel for you? It was tough. And that's something I actually talked about with my therapist was like, you know, last year I was taking Serbian lessons um, because my language comprehension is like maybe 20%, but there's obviously a lot that I don't know. Um, and so I was doing that as a way to make up for that, right? And to, to kind of prepare myself. Um, and even to this day, like I still listen to Serbian music and stuff like that, try to get my, um, my language just better, you know, hear it more, listen to it more. Um, and my therapist like asked me some some interesting questions when I brought up this point because I was like, you know, I need to I need to do all these things to be loved over there. She's like, well, what do you need to do? And I was like, well, you know, I need to 
brush up on the language. I need to make sure that I can have enough money to go over there and like, you know, pay for certain things and get things. And she goes, how was it the last time you were there? And I was like, it was great. She's like, did you, did you speak the language the same as you do now or maybe even worse? And I was like, yeah, probably a little less. And she's like, and they still loved you, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, it was it was just a, a light bulb moment where it's like, wow, like you don't need to do all these things. Like you were born naked and people loved you before you had college degrees, before you had this or that, before you had nice clothes, before you, you know what I mean? Before you even knew how to talk, people loved you. But the, so, but the people loved you and you're naked with your parents and family. <laughs> Right. <laughs> only people say naked when you're born. That's right. Clear. Everyone else is gonna look at you. Uh, like, What's that uh, ugly thing? Unless uh, they were showcasing you to the entire world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, that's the good thing about cousins, you know. Um, I tell everybody, there's no greater, stronger love than like the ones you have with your cousins, the born. Yes, I still miss up on the ones I had with uh, on my mom's side. Um, but on my, on my dad's side, I was raised by my dad mostly. And um, on my dad's side, it's a smaller family compared to my mom's side. So my dad just has a brother and both of them have two kids. And both of us grew up around the world. So we would all make our holiday plans together. So we'd go home at the same time, hang out and leave. So... I've experienced the cousin love on this side. So I know how great it is. I haven't experienced it on that side, but we don't talk every time. I don't go home often. And even when I do, sadly, because now my mom is back home. My mom was in UK. So I don't see my mom's family like that because they've never been. That's how all other story. But this, when we do kind of cross each other or meet, like the love, you can still tell it's there even if there's no, oh my God, you haven't called me ever, you know, not that kind of bush. It's just, oh, you're here, oh my God, yes. we catch up and, and that's um. it. Yes, that's that's something I appreciate about it too. There's no blame game. There's no there's no need to maintain because I think you know in America sometimes relationships and love can be very um, conditional, right? Like, what have you done for me lately? How many times have you called, visited? Like, we measure a lot of stuff, and that's just even in our work culture, right? We measure, measure, measure. Um, I think overseas, you know, especially I can speak for Eastern Europe, like. There's none of that. It's really conditionless. Like, I mean, my my own father used to tell me, he said, listen, you can do the worst crime. You can kill 100 people. I'm still going to support you. And I was like, when I heard that when I was a kid, I was like, damn, am I really special or something? Like, wow. Like, wow. <laughs> like, that's a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. So when I, when I hear stuff like that from my family, like, I know that's how real it is, you know? So that's something that, that can't be ignored when it comes to that, that, um, just that that organic overseas kind of immigrant culture i'll call it from any place right like just anything outside of, of uh modern america today yeah all right so you you briefly touched up on your therapy and as i recall it was 2016 that you decided to cut off toxic relationships yeah. <laughs> if i was in your life i'll probably be cut off too because i there, yeah, i was toxic <laughs> You know what I'll say about that? Um, I've grown back, now. I'm grown. Huh? I've grown now. You're gone? <laughs> no, I've grown right now. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, no longer grown. toxic. I've grown. I got you. I got you. <laughs> nah, you're good. Um, I think looking back now, 
it was actually me who was toxic. Like there was no, there was no needing to to cut other people off. There was no need to set boundaries. Even today, I don't. I personally, I know everyone has their own thing. Like I, I don't. I'm not a boundary setter. Um, just not my thing. Um, where do I want to go with this? The toxic people. Yeah. So what I what what happened in 2016 was. I started to really, really, really get solid on like what was next for me. And that was moving to a big city, getting a six figure salary, getting a master's degree um, and, and changing the life that I got so used to in Florida. Right. And so in doing that, I really went through an identity shift. Right. I went through an identity shift of like, I am a winner. I am not going to live in Florida. Um, I'm going to be a successful corporate, you know, businessman. And so really anything that I thought wasn't in alignment with that, I really dropped it. Like there was relationships that I really just left there for two whole years while I lived in Boston and that, that I really neglected. You know, like those those neighbors, that best friend from kindergarten I told you about, both of those best friends from kindergarten, I neglected the hell out of both of them during that time over there. And it's not because I wanted to, it's just because, again, I do believe that everyone does what they think is the best thing to do at the time. And so at the time, I was so focused on those three things I mentioned that this is just how it how it panned out for me, right? And again, it might not have been the most beautiful thing, but that's how it panned out. And now my relationships with those people is, is amazing because I'm able to look full circle at, you know, why did I have to do that in the first place? Why did I feel like that? Um, and those are also things I explored in therapy that were like, you know, my therapist asked, why did you do that? Why didn't you call that person back? Why did you leave that message for, for so many months or days or years, right? Um, and it was hard to answer that. I didn't really have a good answer at the time. And I realized it was more so because I was afraid. Like, I was afraid that if I kept relationships with them, that I wouldn't become this new person I wanted to be. And looking back now, the whole thing was an illusion, right? Like, I was just, I was just growing. That's all that was happening. I was just growing. I didn't really need to do anything except go with go with the flow because everything was already being done. I was living in the new place. Like I just had to flip a switch mentally and realize that, hey, you can still grow and maintain your relationships at the same time. I think that's the point I want to zoom in on. Like I used to think it was this or that, winner or loser. I'm about to say uh, from what I've heard about your past life, I didn't think you were go with the flow type of person. No, I'm not. I haven't been. I haven't been. That's something I worked on a lot in 2019 when I started living in Dallas. That was kind of my motto. Um, but yes, 2017, again, because remember, I I started changing because of a morning routine, a structured process with hard lines and times and deadlines. And also my my father was in the army, like very, you know, that, that, that. So uh, I was always more on the structured, rigid kind of side. But yeah, I had to learn how to balance. I had to really stop saying it's this or that and say, it's both. You can do both. You can grow, maintain relationships. You can grow in your career, but still talk to your friends that don't have that career, right? Like it's not going to mean that you're going down the drain. It's okay. Um, so yeah, a lot of, I'll, I'll say fallacies and illusions I had to get through psychologically. Um, and shout out to my, my uh, therapist, Brian at the time, who really helped me with that. That was a uh, life-changing years in Boston for sure. Interesting. Now you, you see how you say uh, you had to cut toxic relationships in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, last year sometime. My, my my summer was was very fucked up. A lot of shit happened, and 
Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but unlike you, I didn't have toxic relationships to cancel, uh, to, to cut. I, I had to cut myself because I thought, I believe that was that toxic relationship. Mm. I I realized something like, uh, last year during when I was going through all that shit. I'm a person who most of the people in my life will tell you like, your Paula, Paula is a great friend, like Paula. And all my life, I've had that. I've grown up. I am a person who makes friends easily. I talk to everybody. I have so many friends. At one point, my dad was like, if I ever have to do a surprise party for you, I don't know where I would throw it because of the amount of people who you know. And I wouldn't care. Like, I know people from the very top to the very bottom. Like, as long as you're cool with vibe, I'm cool with you. I'll sit and talk to you. I'm that person. <laughs> that's a great problem to have by the way too many friends that's nice and i used to i used to get mad at my dad because i got it from my dad whenever i'd be i used to hang out with my dad a lot when i tell you my dad's my best friend growing up if he was going out i just see him getting dressed i'm ready outside with the car ready to go i don't care where you're going we're going together <laughs> <laughs> so most of my character i got it from him and i would hate it i'll be in a place ready to go and every table he passes is saying hi to people and you're like fuck do you have to know everybody but mm. then that became me now because half of the people I know is I knew them because I was always with my dad and my dad would introduce and then their kids would get to know me and then it just became so now my ex would be mad anywhere I go I'd be like Paula we make friends anyway you just be sitting there the next thing you know hi yes what's up oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I'm the person but then mm. I realized that yes, uh, I wasn't really a good friend. Like, mm. I'm a good person, but I'm not a good friend. Mm. Those are two different things, and it took me a while to realize that because the shit that I was going through and what I was blaming my friends for, a good friend wouldn't do that. Mm. So I had to come into terms with finding myself, kinda. So mm-hmm. I had to cut everybody out of my life because I was also, I'm a cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a romantic, I'm a people pleaser. I grew up in that, you know, everybody around me is happy, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I I hated being alone, lonely, all those bullshit. So it took a lot of me, this, I was like, I need to figure out life by myself without the noise of running every time. I, every time I had something, I always had to run to somebody. And I had those people to run to. If it was my dad, if it was my best friend, if it was somebody. I needed to, um, last summer, my dad got very sick, which was uh, like a wake-up call, like, fuck. Mm. I can lose him at any time. And then I lost so many people in, in like, a different spam. And then my my friendships were kind of falling down. So I was like, okay, let me face life alone to see if I can face it alone. So... Your 2016 was my 2020. <laughs> hey, well, we both made it to 2022. Look at that. There you go. And I feel much better. Like, I learned a lot about myself. Uh, it got me to start therapy again because I'd taken a break. I started and then I had stopped. So I went back to therapy. And I realized I liked being alone without being lonely i had to differentiate being alone and being lonely <laughs> yes, there's a big difference there's a very big difference 
Like, there's that, okay, are you alone and lonely or are you actually alone and enjoying being alone? Like, and, mm. and it's weird at how much I've started to enjoy my own company and being in my own space and doing my own shit to the extent that because I, I was such an outgoing person and my brother was like, yo, I'm scared for you. I feel like you're going to be lonely. <laughs> You the place I'm going getting five cats and shit. I was like, no, no, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I just had to find the balance. Hmm. Fair enough. Do you think age has anything to do with that? I, 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 I don't think it's age. I think it's maturity. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Because there's a difference between those two things too. Exactly. Because... I feel like um, I grew up too fast. Like literally, when you're when you're born in, I don't know. I'm not gonna say Africa because I haven't been to all African countries and I don't know all about that. But in Tanzania, we we don't have age limit for buying alcohol or going to the club or none of that. So most of us grew up really quick with the drinking and the going out. Like I finished grade seven, my dad took me to the club. Hmm. And he told all the bouncers I wasn't allowed to go by myself, only with him. So they would literally not allow me if I ever showed up alone. I had to have my dad there for them to allow. <laughs> But then I went to boarding school and I got sick and I came back and they forgot about me. So <laughs> growth helps, you know? <laughs> But then um, also with just drinking and living life. And I grew up outside. When I started living outside of Tanzania, I went to UK, Malaysia, Dubai. I was living alone, you know. When you live alone, you don't have your parents checking in. Not that I had strict parents. I've never had a coffee. I've never been... Mm. Pan- like, nothing. Me and my dad talk, like, literally everything. Like, he's my best friend. Like So, um, growing up in that fast lane life, kind of slowed me down quick. Like, I started getting tired of going out to clubs and shit way before I even turned 28 or 29. Like, I was already over that life. Yeah, that's like, really exciting I've too, done so much of it. this shit. It's constantly the same shit. So you get to a point right now, literally, if I go out, if I'm in a club, just know whatever reason I'm there, I must really love that person because you mm. don't just get me in the club. Like... Right, now it's a special thing. There's some days I wake up and be like, you know what? I miss dancing and stuff. Let's go. But after a few minutes, the noise, the keys, and you're just like, okay, I have to go home. <laughs> yeah. But so it's not really age because there's some people who are way older than me and they're still, you know? So oh, I yeah. think it's just maturity. I was at that age where for me, I just needed a switch in my life. And I grew up in so much, I grew up in noisy areas, like city life constantly. Mm. I never even thought I'd ever enjoy peace and quiet because I always wanted the noise. Mm. But these days I enjoy it. Now that I, I still live in a very noisy neighborhood, which I like, but <laughs> like when I shut my doors, it's peaceful. <laughs> yes, gotta have that, gotta have that. Still with the balance, it looks like, still with the yep, balance. Yeah, yeah. Balance is key. So, all right. So we're going to skip to 2018, where you decided since what I was sharing about going out and shit, where that's the year you decided to stop going out. 
Yeah, there was a lot of things I stopped doing. Um, and I even, you know what, I actually have a list of them, I think, on my phone somewhere. Um, but you in, share? Um, let me see. Um, I, I can I could talk about it. That's probably more uh, entertaining than going through the list anyways. But um, something else that, that I didn't include in that, in that um, poem, if you want to call it, or spoken word, was a personal development group that I joined actually at the start of 2017, um, right before 2018. And this group was called Epic Impact. And um, Epic Impact, did I ever tell you about this? No, but I know you joined a development group and I believe it was in 2016, but I could be wrong from my notes. All good. And and maybe I gave you the wrong, but it's 2017. Um, oh. Yeah, you know, because you, 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 you oh, oh, let me tell you something before you get into that. Mm-hmm. I would sit whenever, you know, your voice notes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you took notes on the voice notes? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Woo. I take ready. notes. Like to remember, I have to take notes. That's mm. why I always have journals and bolts. That's why I, the journal. <laughs> like I'm constantly noting down stuff. So when your voice notes, because they were your um relics, and as I said, your relics mostly are your life story, your journey. So to remember them and read them and be prepared to ask you stuff, I just shit down. Because those are a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? But no, I appreciate the preparedness for sure. Okay. So um, in 2017, yeah, we could skip over Epic Impact. I think that's a, that's a different uh, set of life lessons. But um, from that experience, some things I started um, kind of cutting off or not doing was number one, I, I stopped owning a vehicle, um, stopped having a car um, pretty much because it was easy to in Boston, right? Like I got to work from home with that job. Um, everything was in walking distance. I was living in the city. There was just no need for the car. So that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I share something? Yeah. You know, I, I I don't know how to drive, so mm, okay. <laughs> I don't own a car. And I, one time I was so shocked uh, on those dating apps. And I was talking to a guy and then we we're just getting to know each other and then he wanted to meet someone, so he was explaining to me how to park, where to park, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get, I'm coming with a Uber, he's like, oh, you don't drive? I was like, no. Next thing I know, I've been unmatched. I was like, oh, okay. And wow. I didn't even say, I didn't even ask you to pay for my Uber, I just said I don't drive. Well, Continue. you know what? They're not the one, They're not the one. If they like you for what you got, <laughs> the one. Um, but yeah, so first thing was no driving, no car life. Uh, again, pretty simple, kind of a no-brainer for me in Boston because it would have been more hassle and more of a cost um, to keep because parking over there was crazy expensive. Um, so that was the first thing to stop doing. Um, the next thing was cutting out meat. Um, and that was not only a, a health decision for me, but also if you look at the grocery bill, I mean, meat tends to be some of the most expensive stuff on your receipt when you get home. So um, really, again, to cut costs and really try to save and get that to that financial prosperity, um, because, again, my goal was to, to save half my salary. Um, I wanted to stop doing that. And I found a really great way to actually, um, you know, 
Nowadays, I call myself a flexitarian. So what that means is like if I'm at a restaurant or if there's an occasion or if someone's cooking for me, I'll eat meat, no problem. Like I was just at a wedding this past weekend, had chicken, beef, no problem. Um, but for me personally, when I'm at home cooking, I I haven't purchased meat in since 2016 probably. Um, and yeah, I just don't cook it myself. But if someone makes it for me or if it's at a restaurant, yeah, I'll eat it, no problem. I just don't cook it for me because again, the... Um, not so much more for the expense now, but just because of that's just how I've been doing. I don't know. I think. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing. Again, this is more extreme, but I actually stopped using, and this is something I still to this day don't do. Like, I think it'll be my, the rest of my life like this, but um, I stopped using shampoo and conditioner as well. Um, because when I looked at like the expenses again on personal expenses uh, i was really like what can i what, what do i not need um and for me you know with my hair type my texture all that um i was lucky enough to where i didn't really need shampoo or conditioner um i use eco styler gel it's the only thing that goes in my hair um people tell me I always say, have nice hair. Always and clean. yeah no people tell me i have nice hair i haven't used shampoo or conditioner in yeah so many years now so um that was another thing again out of out of kind of desperation that i cut out um what else? I mean, cable, you name it, uh, movies, going out. Um, I would only go to the club once every three months. Um, and keep in mind, I was 23 years old at the time, so that was kind of difficult. Um, and I also just had a rigorous savings goal where it's like, okay, every month, this much needs to you know, be set aside, all that. Um, so yeah, went went with a lot of things for, for a long time, but they ended up either becoming permanent things I removed from my life um, or just really, really helpful in helping me eliminate costs to get to a certain point where I didn't have to worry about those expenses anymore. So those were some of the things I might be missing a few, but I think those were some of the uh, the big ones there. I don't remember the last time I paid for cable actually. Yeah, see that? Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people are cutting out these days. I don't think there's many people. Listen, who... I have a Roku and in my <laughs> Roku, um, shout out to everybody who has given me passwords to their shit because I have I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have Stars, I have HBO, Got everything. And none of them is mine. Like each one you enter is. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so I actually found the list. Um, there's a couple of other things, too, that I didn't mention. Um, all right, so I'm just going to run down through it. So with owning a car, we're going to also bucket in that, like car insurance, gas, parking, maintenance, all that. Cable, Netflix, shampoo, conditioner, lotion. Here's another one, baggage fees. What I mean by that is I started only packing one bag. That was for everything, whether it was a road trip, a flight, something like that, but like only one bag became very minimalistic. Um, meat, veggies. This is why I just buy Southwest tickets. They give you two bags. Oh yeah? Ooh, everybody take notes. Listen to that. Um, going out in general, like I said, once every three months, um, eating out, um, also living alone. Um, when I first moved to Boston, I did live alone, but I only did that for five months when I realized how much money I could be saving. And so what I did was, again, I, I got a big salary. I moved to the city and I got an apartment that cost like 2000 2980 yeah 29 2890 sorry 2890 per month that's just how much the 3000 yes. just 3000 3000 a month in boston so i did that for 5 months and i was like wow this is really stupid i'm wasting a lot of money Thank uh, you. yeah so you know i did it because 
it was kind of my dream. I wanted to move to a big city. I wanted to have that Balling. life. You know, like the, 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 when when you never had that before, you got to have it. You got to try it one time, you know. It's At like, least one time, you know, one time. Yeah. So, and it was nice. I got to enjoy it. I threw parties in that apartment. I, I lived like three minutes away from some of my favorite clubs. So one, what, two times I did go out. It was amazing. We had the best time ever. Um, you lived there and you know, the best drives. Yeah, it was it was amazing. No, I know exactly how many parties we had there, all that stuff. Um, it was great. And we had a lot of get-togethers too because that helped save money, obviously. Oh yeah, um, that's my thing. So there was that. But what I did was um, I moved out to a place with four roommates and took my rent from twenty-eight ninety to five fifty a month. And so that's what really, really kickstarted the savings. And like once I made that change, it was just a matter of discipline. It was like okay, keep living life with no car. Go to the gym, go to work, don't spend money on nothing else, come home, chill, work on your your endeavors and your, um, at the time I was trying to work on a certain business idea, so that was keeping me busy. Um, and then just go on cheap dates and have fun. Like that was really my thing. So um, yeah, that was, that was a mix of 2017, 2018 in Boston, um, maybe some of the, the better parts, because it was a nasty depression that came with, with that episode of my life too. Like just moving from Florida and having to go from a, a complete change in culture where people, <clears throat> I mean, people in Florida are just way different, right? Like in Boston, I would say most people, generally speaking, were very negative. Like I'd get in the Uber and immediately person's complaining about something. I'm just like, wow, I just got here. Like what, what, what were we talking about already? Um, <clears throat> Maybe it's of the Southern hospitality. Yeah, like, uh, excuse me. One. Sorry about that. Yeah, fine. But um, yeah, the people, the people in the Northeast, the temperament was just very different, but also the weather killed me, right? Like I'm a Florida guy going to, to Boston where it's just super gray all the time. Um, and my first time being around the snow, no friends, having to start over from zero, like, and a new job too. Like that was all just, just a lot, you know? So a lot of depression came with that too. Um, that seek, that, that helped me seek out a new therapist and actually make some life-changing uh, discoveries with that therapist too around um, like panic attacks. Boston was when I had my first panic attack. So that was a crazy experience. I thought I was going to die, um, but you know, I was able to work with my therapist and we actually developed a technique um, that helped me kind of rewire my brain. So that way, when I felt the trigger symptoms before, like when I was about to have a panic attack, I would actually start flooding my brain with the most positive thoughts I had about like how I'm loving myself every day. And that would include the small habits. Like for example, one that I love to point out is flossing. Flossing is a great way to show yourself that you love yourself because not everybody flosses every day, all right? You gotta really love yourself to floss every day, all right? I'll be flossing. Um, the other thing is just like going to the gym, eating very healthy. Like these are things I did on the daily basis still do to this day because I love myself. That's my way of showing that. So whenever I felt like I was about to get a panic attack, this therapist helped me go ahead and say, wait a second, but look at all these amazing things we're doing every day. We can't panic right now. Like there's no need to panic. And that was very, very effective um, in terms of a, a psychotherapy technique that helped me get over those things once and for all. So I'm gonna dedicate this part to my cousin Sandra. She 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 has mm. panic attacks. She deals with panic attacks. Mm. I'm gonna make sure she she hears this technique. For sure, yeah. I would say um, if you if you for anybody that <clears throat> is struggling with panic attacks, you got to really get clear on kind of what's your source. Like for me, and I didn't learn this until two years later, living in Dallas uh, in 2019. It's that I didn't realize, but I was afraid deeply, deeply, deeply inside myself, I was afraid that I was going to die just like my father. 
that I was going to die and leave my family in a position where they would be screwed. That's exactly what I thought. And it wasn't until I kind of realized that, wrote it down, talked about it in therapy several times um, and cried about it several times that I was able to be at peace with it. And I'm happy to say my last ever panic attack, I mean, last, you know, I hope I don't have one, but the last one I had was in 2020. Um, so it's been a long time now and yeah, been doing good since. All right. That's amazing. Watch out for part two coming out on Friday.